0: Welcome to our church family. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, flip on over to Philippians chapter two. We, we wrapped up the book of Mark last week as we looked at one last glimpse kind of through the lens of what is happening in Africa. Uh, just looking at the lens of God's, Jesus' call on our lives to go and make disciples who make disciples. And over these next several weeks as we are moving towards Advent where we are gonna prepare our hearts for the arrival of the King uh, at Christmas time, um, we're actually going to continue to look at the life of Jesus in some very close and acute snapshots in his life and ministry, some of which are described in the gospel, some of which are described in other places in the scripture. But we're calling this series over these next four or five weeks, The Servant King. Because truly, we, we, once you have given your life to Christ Jesus, you have now been adopted into a new family with a new king and a new promise and a new future that is yours in Christ Jesus. And if you haven't noticed yet, for those of you that have walked with Jesus for any length of time, this is an upside down kingdom. This is a kingdom where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. This kingdom of heaven is the opposite of the kingdom of the world. Its values are the opposite of the kingdom of the world. And we see the greatest king in history, the king of all kings become the lowest of servants, and display his kingship through not a wielding of power, but through an extraordinary and severe acts of humility. And then he invites us into that identity as well. And he tells us to take on that mindset that he has as his people. Because as the body of Christ, we are the living, breathing display of the life of Jesus in the world that we live in right now. But the good news is, is you aren't expected to try to figure out how to be like Jesus. As a matter of fact, you make terrible Jesuses, just in case anybody's never told you that. Jesus knew you would make an awful Jesus. And so his promise all throughout the gospel is that he would live in you, through you, and as you. Truly, Galatians 2.20, you have been crucified with Christ, then it is no longer you who lives, but it is Christ who lives within you. And so we spend a lot of time recycling conversations throughout the word of God to make sure we understand this new kingdom identity and kingdom calling and what it means for the life of Christ to be lived through us and displayed through us and one of the sweetest spaces that we're going to find that is right here in Philippians chapter 2 as we look at the servant king now while you're finding your place in Philippians chapter 2 I need to tell you about something that's going on within our church family and staff family. Um, Etienne and Abigail's—I mentioned last week because we hosted a baby shower for them at our house last Sunday after church. Well, by Thursday, uh, Abigail's due uh, late December. Um, by Thursday, the baby arrived a couple months early. <laughs> it was a very scary, uh, dram- dramatic. Turn of events, uh, traumatizing even, but mama's okay, baby's okay, but they are at the NICU in Tampa and probably will be there for the at least about a month, the doctors are saying. And so good news is baby came out screaming, um, even sneezing, which was cool, Uh, but naturally with a baby who is that premature, a couple months premature, there's still some development that has to happen with the lungs. And so uh, she is under the watchful care of Advent Tampa. Uh, Etienne and Abigail are finally together up there. Etienne followed the ambulance that night to be with the baby and has been with the baby. Didn't sleep for almost three days. It was unreal. Um, And Abigail, obviously having to recover from surgery, was not able to join Etienne until yesterday. But now they're together as a family. Thank God that they were able to secure a place at the Ronald McDonald House, which if any of you have ever needed that, is such a blessing, so they can stay there as long as they need to at no cost to them. Uh, but naturally, in a time like this, there are going to be a lot of needs. And so uh, keep praying for Etienne Abigail and baby Presley, Presley Dallas Doucette. Uh, I told them they spelled Dustin wrong, but whatever. Um, but be praying for them. Um, we know that uh, a variety of you are going to want to serve them, and we want you to serve them. Uh, but but if, if you've tried to contact them and you haven't been able to hear from them for the past week, that's why. They, they've been in the greatest whiplash of their life. Um, and if you are wanting to serve them, listen closely. Contact the church office. Don't call them. Right now they are trying to just find their bearings and are finally together and they're spending around the clock time with the baby. Um, Contact our church office. I believe our team member Chelsea is going to be the one who's going to coordinate efforts from our end to help meet needs and serve them. Uh, But I would encourage you to call, check in, see how you can serve, see what the needs are. And Chelsea's going to keep a list going of the needs as they come in and also those who are willing to help meet the needs as they come in. But if nothing else and you want to serve, um, just, you know, drop a gift card off for them or something like that. Because obviously they're going to be living out of a suitcase for the, probably the, the better part of the next month. And um, so anyways, we'll have different folks going to visit them periodically throughout this next month to, to be able to deliver those kind of things. And, and we have teams coordinated to help get the house ready and the, and the crib ready and the room ready and, their, you know, all that stuff that obviously they thought they had two months to do. And now they don't. So, um, so holler, ca- call us at the office, and Chelsea will help get you set up with how you can serve. Um, hopefully, by now you are in Philippians chapter two as we look at the life of Jesus uh, and his servantness that is displayed for us, and that was offered to us, and that we are invited into. And so, I take you to verse one of Philippians chapter two and say. The words that the Apostle Paul said to the church of Philippi and encouraging them of this kingdom identity that they have in Christ as humble servants. And he says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Say same mind. Being of the same mind, having the same love. Say same love. And being in full accord and of one mind, say one mind. uh, Hey, Grace Bible, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, say humility. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, worth a thousand hallelujahs and more, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's an unstoppable force. That day will come. If it hasn't already come for you yet, the day is coming. My recommendation to you as you start practicing now. Your first confession of Jesus is Lord. You don't want it to be on that day. When every Dalai Lama, every king that has ever existed and reigned, Satan himself bows his knee before Jesus and confesses him, As Lord, Let that day of confession and surrender and humility before the Lord begin even now as he invites you into this kingdom family. And he says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to both will and to work for his good pleasure. That's as far as we're going to go. In that conversation today. Um, Jesus, the great king of all kings, the one by whom every knee is going to bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth one day. Uh, this is the king of whom a Colossians says all authority has been given in whom all power rests. And all creation exists by him and for him and through him and by him. Jesus, all things hold together. That's big and that's powerful. But yet he humbled himself, the only king in history. He humbled himself, the only king in history to humble himself like that, to go even lower still, to continue to bow himself before our greatest need instead of requiring us to do that to him as the king. Let's face it, uh, we we live in a self-centered world, don't we? There's a reason why when you go to the grocery store, the back of the parking lot doesn't fill up first. There's a reason why you're not fighting for the space in the back. There's a reason why when you pull up to the red light, and you are car number two, and car number one in front of you, that is... Supposed to be watching the light, but car number one doesn't notice that the light has gone from red to green. And there's a reason why our impulse is not, you know what, they must have a lot on their mind this morning. Let me just stop and pray for that person. We are laying on the horn, revving up our engine. We go blowing past them in the intersection. Yeah, we live in a self-centered world. There's a reason why you don't have to teach your kids to take. You have to teach them to share. That sin is just ingrained in our, the fiber of our being. And we, we go throughout our lives trying to learn to take on lives of humility and servanthood and a good attitude and behaving rightly. But the whole world kind of revolves around us. And, and, and why wouldn't we think that it does? Because every time we turn on the TV, every commercial that you see is about you. You know, that they've even taken it so far as they, they've... They've taken the the telephones off of the walls of our house, and they actually put them in our pocket because the world revolves around me. I've got to be available around the clock because how else will everybody survive? You know what? They take it. They took it even a step further with us. They actually put cameras on the front of our phones so we could take pictures of ourselves. Not only is this a self-centered world, this is a selfie-centered world, is it not? It all revolves around us. And so we hear the disorienting words of the humility and the servanthood of Christ, and oh yeah, we're grateful for it, but like how much energy are we putting into entering into that part of the kingdom calling? To be the the servanthood, the humility of Christ displayed for the world around us. When Paul said these words in verse 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or a vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one not look out to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. That, That word humility was not high on the value system of the ancient Greek world. Now, we may say that it is in our culture, but I just gave you a few examples of how it's not. But the Greek world wasn't too far removed from the reality that humility was not a highly regarded idea. In fact, um, humility and their mind, and the reason why the Apostle Paul was having to encourage even the church of Philippi, which was a joyful church, it was really worshipers of God, but to remind them of the humility of Christ Jesus. Because in the ancient Greek culture, humility ran a little bit too close of a line to things like slavery and subjugation and lowliness So humility was not a high value in that particular culture. And again, we see the upside down kingdom of Jesus Christ displayed as it rubs against the grain of what's normal and comfortable and satisfying in our culture. And truly we see all throughout the life of Jesus and very acutely described in Philippians chapter 2 that humility was one of the chief characteristics of God displayed through his son Jesus. I mean, what other king has stepped off of his throne not to come and bring condemnation upon an unfaithful people, but to actually come and allow those people to punish him on behalf of their sins? What other king has ever done that? Truly, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we were healed the only king in history. What a glorious display of humanity. And he tells us there in verse five, he says, hey Grace Bible, pay close attention. He says, have this mind among yourselves. But man, I've tried and it doesn't come naturally because for my whole life I've been all about me. My mama tried to whoop it out of me and it didn't work. Still about me. And Paul says, have this mind among yourselves. Pay close attention, Grace Bible, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, have this mind among yourselves, verse 5. You got it on the screen, Coretta? Have this mind among yourselves. Pay close attention to what comes right after that comma, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is yet again another gospel declaration through the word of God, that Jesus would have never called us to a thing that he didn't plan to be the entirety of the sufficient supply for you to pull it off. This this is him calling us to a thing that he plans on displaying through us. So this isn't an invitation to have that same mindset, force humility out of yourself. He's saying the, the humility of Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus, the humble one already dwells within you. So it's really not a matter of trying to figure out how to conjure up the willpower to be humble, servant-like people, but it is learning to submit to the leadership of Jesus in all the areas of our life so that the humble servant king himself that dwells within you can live his life through you. Have that mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You're not alone. He has implanted himself in you, and that same power of humility and servanthood that is a part of his upside-down kingdom. He intends to be a part of your life. So that changes my prayers a little bit. I said, Jesus, give me humility. Give me the willpower to serve. I know I need to, but I don't feel like it. But but if you you just give me the nudge, it changes my prayers to, you know what, my humility with that person and that situation ran out a long time ago, Jesus. I know you see it. I'm just telling you what you already know. But I also confess that the humble servant king himself dwells inside of me, and you got an extra mile of humility in store. You have more than enough to serve that situation with humility and servanthood. You have more than enough to break down the walls of my pride and my arrogance and my frustration and to live your perfect life through me. So, Lord, I just submit to you today. I just invite you for your life within me, for you to just display yourself through me. Because I know if I, if I just try to take control and, and let my flesh do the work, I'm going to fail miserably and I'm going to say some things I'm going to regret. I might even use sign language next time I'm at the stoplight for the person that won't go. Just to show how deep and significant and broad and vast the humility of Jesus was, the Apostle Paul describes very quickly the gospel message to us. And he says, this kind of humility is yours in Christ Jesus. This is a doesn't make any sense, way more than an extra mile. Your friends ain't going to understand it kind of humility. And he says, he, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. What does that mean? Uh, Equality with God is a thing to be grasped those who was in the form of God. Uh, This literally means for us, even though Jesus is God, that he voluntarily let go of his divine rights to operate as God, to be in control as God, and to be glorified as God. He temporarily let that go. Let me summarize it. He was willing to give up his rights for the sake of what he knew needed to be accomplished for us. Honestly, that's quite a marker of humility. Are you willing to give up your rights this morning or is the reason why we're having a hard time allowing the humility of Christ to be displayed through us is because we have convinced ourselves that I deserve. And so that's why I'm acting the way I'm acting. Because I deserve more respect. I deserve that opportunity. I deserve more of an acknowledgement. Jesus gave up his rights of what he deserved. Temporarily that he might step into our story and rescue us. The humility of Christ displayed, he says, have this mindset among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who this Jesus is. Though he was God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself instead. He went even lower still by taking on the form of a servant. He went even lower still by being born in the likeness of men. He went even lower still by being found in human form, humbling himself to the point of obedience and even to the point of death. And not just any kind of death, but death on a criminal's cross. You couldn't go any lower than what God was willing to go. The ultimate display of the love of God and the most severe act of humility, of going even lower still. I actually want to read this to you in a a different translation also just just for impact. Let me read that same passage of scripture to you right there in the New Living Translation, which is a little bit more common speak than the ESV that I'm teaching out of. And it says this, Your attitude should be the same as that that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took on the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on the cross. Even lower still. Oh, what love, Grace Bible. Oh, what love. That the king of heaven and earth, that the one that set the stars into space and the one that spun the world into motion and the one that is the one who breathes life into the little baby's body. And the one that holds the keys to life and death itself. The one who is the creator of all things. For him to temporarily step out of glory while the angels sing, holy, 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 round the clock all the time. To step out of that into a world that wasn't even going to recognize him. And continue to humble himself as a servant of people. To meet people on the side of the road in their depravity. To have meals with some of the most grotesque sinners in town. To ultimately be crucified for his claims of being God, simply telling them what was. To ultimately be killed as a criminal on the cross for us and willingly gave himself up every bit of the way, willingly continued to surrender his rights temporarily so that we might be saved and so that we could be made whole. And he invites us into having this same mind. No place too far that we wouldn't go. No hole too deep that we wouldn't dive in to serve the calling that God has placed upon our lives. And so that the world around us might experience his power and his glory. And because of this, we hear the good news that therefore God has exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Because he so willingly went to the lowest of the low, God has now restored him to the highest of the high. The name that is above every name. A name so significant, in fact, Jesus, that every knee is going to bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this servant king that we serve, that has invited us into the family business of being servants of grafting our lives and to partnering with and serving his kingdom mission for his glory and for the good of the world around us. Like this, this servant king is not second place. He's not the backup. He is the name that is above every name and the king that is higher than every king, but yet he is willing to have no extent to the places he would go to serve us namely showing up here into this mess mess to die the most horrific death that one could be given for criminal act And he invites us into having a servant mindset like him. And I look at that and I think, man, but like I really struggle with pride and selfishness is a whole lot easier. And so I'm just not sure how to pull this off because I know that Jesus modeled that for us. And I know that he called us into living this life of being on display. And I know that the the life of Christ is within me, but I haven't quite figured out how to let it out of me yet. And so I'm trying to figure out how all of this works. And so, like, I'm not sure exactly what to do. Well, Paul didn't want to leave us stranded, so he had to sit back and try to figure out what in the world to do next. He actually says to us, therefore, verse 12, therefore, my beloved. You know what the therefore is there for? Listen, the the easiest way to know what the therefore is there for is to read what came before the therefore. You get what I'm saying? Okay, clear, right? What came before the therefore was just this glorious display of the servanthood and the humility of Christ that we are invited to now allow to be displayed through our lives. And he says, therefore, as you're sitting there scratching your head thinking, yeah, but how do I let Christ do that through me? I I honestly, I lack the motivation because Dustin, you don't understand who it is that I have to deal with at work every day. And I just, I mean, I know I'm supposed to, but like, I just don't know that I can. They don't make it easy. Honestly, I've struggled with pride my whole life, Dustin, so I'm just, you know, it's, it's like a big hurdle to climb, you know, it's like my own pride and selfishness, it's just the cross I bear, you know, like, so I just, I just need some help, like how am I supposed to kind of pull through that to allow this servant king to be displayed through my life? The Apostle Paul encourages you and says, therefore, my beloved, while you're sitting there scratching your head, trying to figure out how to pull this off, as you have always obeyed, So now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Listen, Grace Bible, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Pay close attention to the next words that come out of Paul's pen. For it is God who works in you. Who, Who is it that works in you, Grace Bible? It is who who works in you. It is it is God who works in you. Oh, okay, well, what is he doing in me then, if, if he is working in me and on me? He says, It is God who works in you both. Two things God is doing while he is at work in you. Thing number one, both to will, and thing number two, to work for his good pleasure. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> The call to live a faithful life of Christ Jesus is not a call to acknowledge that Jesus has done a lot for me, so I better do a lot for Him. I don't remember how I said it. Cam or I would say it again. The, the call to live a life for Jesus is not the call. That was the Holy Spirit. See, I can't even remember I can't even remember what I said, so I wasn't in the notes, you know? It's not a call to try to figure out how to pull it off. He says, "Therefore, beloved. It is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is the instigator of the will and the accomplisher of the will and he's the instigator and the accomplisher of the work. Let me break that down a little bit further. For those of you that have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and you continued to just submit yourself to the leadership of Jesus that now dwells within you, as we are learning how to walk these things out, He's saying God who is at work in you to both will for his good pleasure and work for his good pleasure. In other words, what he's saying is when he says that he is, he is going to work in you to will for his good pleasure. If you'll submit yourself to the leadership of Jesus, God is going to do the work of giving you the want to to want to. The will. You're not going to have to conjure up the emotion that it takes to try to pull off the thing that you've been asked to do it says, God, who is at work in you to accomplish the will, the want to, to want to, he's going to provide that as well. Honestly, like that's a prayer I have to pray. I'm just letting y'all into my prayer life right now. God, I don't feel like it. Doesn't sound like a good idea to me, but I know that this is what you're calling me to do. So I'm asking you, Lord, because I trust you and I know that you are at work in me to will for your good pleasure. So I'm going to need your Holy Spirit to give me the want to to want to. And to trust him to provide that because he who is at work in you is going to accomplish willing you towards his good pleasure. Lord, give me the want to to want to. And then he goes on to say not only to will, but also to work for his good pleasure. That takes the weight off of me of realizing whether I had the motivation or not, that when it comes to the outcome of the thing that God is intending to accomplish through my life, that he is the one who is at work in me to accomplish that thing. He is the one who is gonna pull it off. My job is yield. The work of the, work of the, the most faithful you can be as a follower in Jesus Christ, it's not having the whole Bible memorized, it's learning to yield to the leadership of Jesus. I don't know what to do, I don't know how to will it, I don't know how to want it, I don't know how to finish it or pull it off, but I know you do, so here I yield, use me. Use me how you want to. Accomplish through me the thing you're calling me to do, the will and the work. Lord, you can accomplish this complete work. You you may be staring down the barrel of dust, and I want to. I've got the will, but I don't know how to finish it, or I don't know how to get it done, what God is telling me to do. He is at work in you to work for his good pleasure. He's going to figure it out for you. He's going to pull it off through you. You just pull out the white flag. Yield. Lord, I am yours. This is yours. The situation is yours. The outcome of all of this is yours. Lord, I'm just going to have to trust you with this because I'm not exactly sure what to do, to will and to work for his good pleasure, which, which leaves us with the question this morning. Um, where is God calling you specifically to serve him right now? Can you, can you quickly go to a place in your mind where you're like, no, you know what, I, I know specifically how God is calling me to serve him right now. If you don't know the answer to that, that's your prayer now. Uh, Lord, um, I, I know that my life was meant to be lived for your glory, so whatever you intend to accomplish through me, Lord, I, I'm ready. Use me. Uh, my other question is, um, who who is it that the, that the Lord is calling you to serve right now? That might be a harder one for some of us because, man, just like the Pharisees, we, we don't mind serving the people that we like. Because we're selfish people, ultimately we get something out of that. We get the satisfaction of knowing so-and-so is just so impressed with us. But what about the person that hates your guts that the Lord might be calling you to serve? Like this servant king who, while we were yet sinners, while we were rejectors of him, while we were going to not even notice him, ignore him, and kill him, came to serve us anyway. This mind is yours in Christ Jesus. This same kind of tenacity and veracity of servanthood is yours in Christ Jesus. Who is He calling you to serve? Let's bring those requests before the Lord, and let's trust Him, and let's continue to invite him to will and to work in our lives for His good pleasure. Let's pray. The more I continue to read your word, the more I realize just how faithful you are. Truly the author and perfecter of our faith, of our will, of our work. God, this is all you. You, you, you throw the pitch and you hit it. You're the one. But God, teach us how to yield, help us learn how to let. The peace of Christ rule in our heart, the wisdom of Christ to rule in our mind, the servanthood of Christ to rule in our hands, the humility of Christ to rule in our posture. Help us learn how to let. Lord, we thank you for your love and faithfulness to us. You are good and you are faithful. And Lord, we long to be faithful to the calling that we have received. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.